I remember it like it was yesterday. And yes, Ginger, if you're out there and listening, I've forgiven myself for what you did. (sighs) Okay, here we go. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me, your practical priestess of wisdom, as we get into doing receiving the right way. I'll see you on the flip. So this one is going to take me a minute. So y'all bear with me. I was either in my summer before my sophomore year or the summer after the uh, summer before my sophomore year or the summer after. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Okay. This was my summer after my sophomore year of college. And I was staying in town where I went to went to university went to the university to try to make some money uh, to be able to pay for my fall. And I had lost my scholarship because I was having to work so much and I was not as disciplined. And things didn't come as easily as, as they had in um, high school. And so this was my first wake-up call of having some failures. And I said all that to say that it was tight uh, all the way around. My grandparents were trying to help out. My mom had her hands full with other kids still at home. So I was on my own. Um, And like I said before, I stayed in town because going home wasn't going to make anything better. I was just going to, you know, be a burden on family back there. And it got really bad. And when I say really bad, I was homeless. Yeah. I didn't have enough money to even get a bus ticket to go home. It was bad. And I, (sighs) okay, let me breathe it out. Okay, yeah. So I was a member of a church. And at that time, I'll just go on and say it. I was religious because that's all I knew. I didn't know uh, the spiritual awakening that I needed to have to be able to deal with things. Um, I had a vagary of what spiritualness was, but I was a good religious little girl. And I went to my, you know, my church. I didn't say too much to too many people, <laughs> but there was this one person who was older than me and befriended me and kind of quote unquote took me under her arms as a quote unquote big sis. And that was one of the most hurtful relationships I have ever had in my life. Um, I had gotten down to where I was walking and hoping to find change on the side of the road to be able to get enough uh, change for bus money to go to my job that I had landed for that summer. I was sleeping on people's couches, you know, that I knew from the church and things. And it wasn't until another young lady who was uh, attending the church uh, saw what was happening. And she pulled me to the side and she was always sweet. And wherever you are out there, Crystal, I just want to say, God bless you. And she said, look, um, (laughs) you can come and stay at my house and just get on your feet or make it till you get, you know, back to fall, you know, classes and stuff. And that worked out. But in the midst of that, what she didn't do was prepare me for 
everything that I was going to find out. In her way, she was trying to save me. Both of these women were older than me, but the one who I had the hurt from was older than the both of us, Crystal and myself. And there was this. <laughs> I didn't have any money and I was walking every day in the summer heat of New Orleans. And you can imagine how ripe you can get trying to show up to work and wipe down in the bathroom and hope, you know, you're working around people and stuff. And so uh, <laughs> this other woman gave me deodorant and soap and sanitary pads and stuff. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought she was just being generous. Well, little did I know that I found out after the other young lady had said, you know what, come and stay with me and, and just, you know, get on your feet. I found out that the people in my church were gossiping about me so badly that they, <laughs> I, I was the laughing stock, and um, yeah, it was real bad. And they made it seem like I... Uh, was stupid and that I should just go home. I was a burden and all of these things. And that was my first real, real good cry. Good one. And I remember calling my calling home and telling my family and my grandparents were trying to figure out how to get money to send for me to come home. And, and it, it was just crazy. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be okay. And I made it through it. But it was during that summer that I moved from the naive little girl, little country girl of a small town to my first layer of Teflon and uh, protective gear because I wasn't, I, I wasn't uh, prepared to go through that type of hurt again. It, the saga, I wish I could tell you the saga was over. I really do. But no, it wasn't. After I finished college. I went to grad school and that person <laughs> that hurt me really badly actually came to the same university that I did. And the trauma continued. Uh, yeah. And I will just say this. I hate to, hate to be like that, but I remember getting a friend request from this person on Facebook. And I was like, there is no way ever. I felt like Taylor, Smith, uh, uh, Taylor Swift. There's no way we are ever, ever getting in contact with each other ever again. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that was many years later after I had learned some things and grown some and uh, gotten some healing. So after this dilemma, that I was put into uh, the second time around that something similar happened at this person's hand, I had to uh, face myself and learn some things. And you guys, if you're listening to this and you at this point, thank you for allowing me to, to share that pain because it's no longer a trauma, but it's always going to be a dull little pain uh, in that it hurt. And it was the first time I had experienced public ridicule, public shame, and embarrassment. And um, I think in hindsight, after doing all the work that I've done in therapy and in living, that the silver lining around that was that it cured me if I ever 
wanted to be famous, it cured me of that because I had gotten that sting so early of what it felt like to have people say things about you that were not true, that they didn't even know you, but you became the punching bag of the day. You became I, let me own it, I became the punching bag of that particular cycle. I became anathema, the pariah, the moocher, if you will, of of that, that time. And coming out of that and then having to do the work over it because it had not it, not the same thing happened, but something else happened with the same person. And I wasn't even doing anything with this person the second time. It was just crazy. It was like, what kind of lesson are you trying to teach me, universe? And as I ask that question right now, I'm going to tell you one of the many lessons that I learned. And that is how to do receiving the right way. So now that you've heard me go through one of uh, a highly painful time in my life and how I had to learn to forgive myself for what I put myself through because I did not have the resources that I have now, I stand here, or actually I'm sitting in my office, but I stand here before you ready to share and ready to tell you uh all of the things that I learned and how to navigate your own war field if you find yourself on it and it seems like all hell is breaking loose, okay? Now, the first thing I want to say now that you guys have let me tell my story is that um, receiving is not as easy as you would think, okay? See, with with receiving, receiving is part of the seed time and harvest cycle. It is part of the sow and reap cycle. And in our culture, we have learned that it is better to give than receive, ignoring that there is a cycle. And because it seems like everybody is in on this, people love when folks are always giving, but when it's time for them to receive, a lot of times there's a lot of baggage and trauma, shame, and all these other things attached to it. <sighs> Let your giving season be long um, as as a, a, a lazy summer night. People are fine. If you're always on the upswing of being in the position to give, folks, they sing your praises. Or they do sometimes hate you because you can do that. But let you have one second more than people think of you needing to receive. And oh my gosh, the things you will see. And I don't mean that in a good way. So let me take the take all the saltiness out of what I'm saying and just give you the wisdom smacks, okay? All right. So the first thing is, is when you're getting ready, to uh, receive or are needing to receive, you first have to get ready. And to do that, you have to um, truly get into a state of humility. And to be humble and to, and to have humility is not to degrade yourself. It's not to have self-pity like I talked about yesterday. And my grandmother used to say this, and she said, true humility is knowing where you what you are good at and knowing what you need to improve on and being willing to improve on it all. 
And I used to ruminate over that. And she was like, people come here, come to this earth with natural giftings. She said, but your gift will only take you so far. You need to have training and skill. That's why she made me go. She didn't make me, but she encouraged me to go to beauty school when I was so young because I had a gift with my hands for for hair. And I developed the skill and then the experience. And thus, I became extremely proficient in that. And so, yeah. And I know you might be thinking, well, why didn't you just... uh, Uh, fix hair at a salon while you were um, in school uh, for the summer. Well, I did not have booth rent. I didn't have uh, the necessary materials and I didn't have the necessary um, transportation to get to the places. And so, um, yeah, because during the summer, I wasn't able to stay in the dorms. I couldn't afford it. So I couldn't use the setup that was in the dormitories. But anyway, Let me get back on what I'm saying about getting ready to receive. So with this humility, the first thing is, is to understand what you're good at. And then after that, embrace your confidence. See, that was when, uh, that was one of the major things that I messed up on uh, that time when I had uh, to um, endure the ridicule of the good church people. And it was because I didn't know my strengths. I didn't know what I was confident in, you know, because there is a difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence is when you are certain and you have every evidence and ability to back that up. Arrogance is when you have an inkling or you might believe it, but you can't back it up. And so true humility does not try to douse your your light or your fire, it doesn't try to take away from what really is truly your gift, your skill. Um, and, and so that's the thing that I lacked when I was going through my situation, understanding true humility. And then the next thing is, is when you're getting ready to receive, make sure that you're ready and prepared to confront fears and uncomfortableness. Because I'm going to tell you, Receiving is great until it isn't, (laughs) you know? Uh, It is great when, say, for instance, you receive because it's your time. But there's always this backlash. Receiving is also good when it comes through. And maybe, maybe, maybe just sort of, it's because it is now your time to have to receive from others because you can't do it on your own any any longer. And confronting your fears about those things of what will somebody say? How will they treat me? Will they look down on me? Will, will uh, my status change? That was a big one. And it continues to be a big one. Yesterday, when I talked about self-pity, I didn't really deal with uh, the change in status when we get into self-pity and and erect these heavy um, chains and cages around ourselves. But there is a status change. That's why the body bends over and we try to hide. And people, I've talked, I talked yesterday about people with hoarding tendencies, how they enclose themselves uh, away from the world and all those types of things. And with receiving, it takes more strength to receive than it ever will to give. It just really does. And because you're going to have 
to come face to face with who you really are. And when I say who you really are, I am talking about that person stripped of what you can do. That's where you go back to your being. And if you are only defined by what you have and what you do, it's going to be hard. And when my first test came at 19, all I knew was what I could do and what I had. And when I had nothing, and that meant that I couldn't do anything, me just being me fell short because I didn't have the necessary resources and skills. There's this other saying that says, don't blame people for their past because you don't know the resources and tools that they had available to them at that time. And I say that because I want you to embrace that for yourself. So if I'm talking to you and you're like, Michelle, I kind of understand what you're talking about. Maybe I've had my own situation. I want you, if you need to right now, to forgive yourself because of the same thing. You didn't have the resources. You didn't have the tools that you maybe have and hopefully have now. But when you know better, you do better. And that's why I feel like my people, my listeners, my tribe, my fam, bam, you guys are able to hear this and vibe with it. And somebody out there that's going to listen to this, this is going to help you today. You know, say for instance, you've always been the breadwinner. You've always been the person coming to everybody's rescue and your family, your friends, your community. And what if, heaven forbid, it changes and you no longer can be that person, but instead it's you standing in the need. It changes your status, your dynamic, and you do have to fight off self-pity. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the fears that nine, nine people out of 10 are going to face. That fear of all your troubles weighing down on you where you cannot move past them. But for, forewarned is forearmed. And now that you know, you can handle this. So confront your fears. And then about that uncomfortableness. I wish I could tell you that because you're going to be humble. You're ready to confront your fears that you're not going to feel weird. Yeah, you're going to feel weird. And you know why? Because there are going to be people that are going to treat you like you have some contagious plague. It is the funniest thing when you're not the person able to give, 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 or you're, they are not able to get to you to receive, receive, you know, from you and they're used to it or they expect it then you become public enemy number one. And there is going to be a bit of shame. There's going to be, or that they try to put on you. There's going to be a bit of uh, backbiting, gossiping, and those types of things. And see, this is the stuff that nobody tells you when it's time for you to receive. And let me just put this out here. Think about the last time you saw someone who had been working and toiling away putting in the time, putting in the effort and the energy. And all of a sudden they catch on, they become famous or rich or whatever. And they start receiving their just due. What normally happens around them for people they know and don't know, those around them have their hand out like, give me, my name is Jimmy and I can take all you can give me. Then there are some people that just think, well, you should put me on too. You should help me, (laughs) you know? And they 
they crucify them because this is their time to receive. Uh, they weren't necessarily around you begging you to help them when they were, were going through and paying their dues, but it is real funny how people can forget that. Okay. So when I talk about this uncomfortableness, I want you to, if you can't remember anything else about what I talk about today, and thank you for continuing to listen, by the way, I I, I sense you, I, I feel you, and I'm here with you, beloved. I want to tell you this, get over whatever you think others are thinking about you, because you're right, and it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how they view you. It doesn't matter what they say about you behind your back. And like my grandma said, if somebody comes to you with the with what the naysayers are saying, really evaluate if they mean it for good or for ill. Because my grandma used to say a, bo- a dog that brings a bone takes a bone. And remember when I talked about my situation, the young lady that truly came to my rescue, I didn't really even know her. She refused to tell me what other people were saying. I had to find it out from gossipers at the church. And she never even talked about it. You know, she just smiled and was like, you know, you do whatever you need, take your time. And she was so loving and so wonderful. And yes, I was not totally innocent in this. I was still growing as a teen. I can look back and see that I probably had some entitlement myself because my thinking was from this small town, when someone's in need, you help them and you just do it, (laughs) you know, and the big city is not necessarily like that. So yeah, I'm going to say that I wasn't totally innocent in this in hindsight. And that was another thing that I had to learn. When you get ready to receive, you have to look at yourself and you have to look and root out self-pity, but you also have to shine the light on any type of entitlement. And that includes rightful entitlement. Yeah. Say for instance, people that you've helped for years, when you're in need, they are nowhere around. You cannot waste precious time, energy, resources, ideas, creativity, being upset with them because when you're in need, they're nowhere to be found. One of the things I learned about doing receiving the right way is to never attach to anyone what you think you're going to receive from them in in your time of need. Even if we're talking about restitution, if you try to get something from someone and they shirk you, they, they don't come up with it, they avoid you, leave it alone and move on. If it's supposed to come from them, it will. But nine times out of 10, you will find that it will come from somewhere somewhere else or someone else. It will usually be more and it will come without any sorrow. So just keep it moving. And so now I've already talked about the the cycle of giving and receiving, seed time and harvest. I want to quickly touch on toxic relationships when you're in this this give-receive kind of thing, because this is one that I'm seeing from a lot of people. A lot of people are hurting right now because maybe you were in a relationship, romantic or otherwise, and you were the one who was the designated giver. And for whatever reason, the relationship has either gone sour or you have fallen on hard times, whether it be financial, emotional, physical, or whatever. And it doesn't seem like anybody is there for you. I want you to understand 
that when you are going through these times, it is okay to feel abandoned for a hot minute. And when I say a hot minute, I mean, recognize that that's what you're feeling. And don't continue to use that psychic energy to try to pull the people to you that you believe should be giving you the attention, should be there for you. What I want you to do instead is I want you to look at yourself, focus on what you can do to be graceful in receiving whatever messages, whatever support, wherever you can get it from the universe of how to move through, make it through, get your healing, get your insight, get your income, get your love patched up. And you'll be amazed. Remember how I talked about uh, or just a few moments ago, not necessarily trying to pinpoint exactly how and where what you what you are needing is going to come from. You know, I've had many times when something has happened and people have said, well, Michelle, this is the one this is going to work out. And it never did. <laughs> but along the way, wisdom smacked me to say that, you know, it doesn't work because you're expecting that to be the thing that works. And there have been many times where out of left field, somewhere or some resource I didn't even know existed would come and do more than what I had been expecting for some known entity to supply in my life. So when you're in a toxic relationship, first and foremost, give thanks. Give thanks that now you're in a time of recuperation, of healing, and that you have to spend your time getting ready to receive, doing it the right way. And then the next thing, on the actual receiving, this is for everybody, toxic relationship or just it's your time. When you're doing receiving the right way, what I want you to do is, is I want you to always make the best of your situation. Think of this, think of it like this. Think of great things happening. Think of superior uh, situations occurring for you. There is a statement that says, good is the enemy of great. This is your time to expect and to work toward greatness. One of the things that used to stomp me when I was in my receiving cycles was I was so bogged down with trying to... uh, trying to focus on fixing the problem. I talked about this uh, uh, a strategy called the inversion strategy that a lot of people who are very successful in their lives and in their businesses use. And this strategy is simple. Instead of trying to work toward a goal, what you do is you work toward lessening, mitigating, or even eliminating all the things that you can think of that could go wrong. And when I started diverting my attention to taking precautionary steps, meaning I became proactive instead of reactive to live my life in a way where I set myself up to be totally open to all the creative possibilities that I could receive from, That's when things really got real and I started getting the healing and I started moving forward. Because another thing I want to say right now is when you are doing this receiving, you have to get rid of that lingering or that subconscious fear. You know the fear I'm talking about. That fear of maybe 
you are receiving and it's coming in and you're scared the other shoe is going to drop and you're like, oh my gosh, it's going too well. I don't know how long, but you know, knock on wood or, you know, you're tiptoeing around things because you're scared. Let that go. Yes, there are, there are cycles to every life, but if you are able to always search for and think of the great things happening, you're going to move through your cycles the in a smooth fashion. Even if it seems like you've been in a rough time where you you really need to receive, this word is for you. That if you get to the point where you start having an expectation of greatness, of a spectacular life, and then following that up with the inklings that you get, that take you out of uh, self-pity, that take you out of fear of what others will say or think of you, you're going to be amazed that you're going to turn around and you will have gotten what you wanted and more. And you'll be moving into all of the things uh, that you aspired to get. If you don't believe me, prove me wrong. Do these things and prove me wrong. So as I close this down, because, yeah, my time is coming to an end. There is um, there is a lot that I could say, but there are two books I want to quickly mention. And I want to men- I want to tell you why I'm mentioning them. The first book is So You've Been Shamed by John Ronson. And I like this book because he goes through specific cases that happen, usually online, of people who messed up. And I'm going to go on and tell you the end of it. The end is he highlights this one person who was able to successfully get past being publicly shamed. And do you know what he said the outcome was that made him so different? It was because this guy refused to accept other people's shame on him. And he lived his life openly and freely. And then the other book is one that's called Why Won't You Apologize? And the reason why I'm highlighting that book is because it's going to help you to deal with a lot of the toxicness that we carry in our relationships with people. I mean, after all these years, you can probably still hear the pepper in my voice when I think about that situation with that daggum ginger. But you know what? I've forgiven myself. I've moved on. And guess what? I don't make those mistakes anymore. So you can do this receiving thing the right way. All right. And I'm with you. Just be humble. Confront your fears and your uncomfortableness and understand that it doesn't matter what other people say about you. It's what you say about yourself and expect to have great things. So guess what? Yep. My time is up and I do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Check the show notes. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.